возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это – да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
Ты мне опора 
Христа. Пусть во веки славят Иисуса небеса.
And so, as always, before we continue to study our inheritance that God has placed in Scripture through the unchanging epigraph to the study of the Word of God, our inheritance in God, Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you, while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so, so that we as members of the body of Christ divide with Christ all that was written about him in Scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the Holy Spirit and what we must do on our end so that we receive the right to set aside our former way of life to be clothed in a new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22-24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And from what we know, we know that the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three basic commands and verbs. This is to set aside, renew, and clothe. And we have noted that answering these faithful questions will affect whether we turn our ourselves into vessels of mercies or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? Because of this, our names would forever be blotted out of the Book of Life, although at one point they were written there. In a certain format, we have already examined the first two questions and now stop to examine the question, what conditions must we fulfill so that through our renewed mind we could begin the process Process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who is created by God in Christ Jesus in the righteousness and holiness of truth. In regards to clothing ourselves into our new man, we came to the conclusion that we need God's help in the subject of His mercy. Because God's mercy is a unique power of God that yields the essence of God in the inheritance of man out of the seed of the word of truth. The means for accepting this kind of help expressed in the inheritance of God's mercies is prayer and worship. Because prayer is simply the right that man gives the heavens to interfere here on earth. And we are called to give God this right only on His established conditions. One of David's prayers, written in the 143rd Psalm, where he gives God the right to interfere in his life, his mercy and truth, will be an example for us of our inheritance. It has become the subject of our study. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness 
Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness, like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of the old and meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so, to be heard by God, it was necessary for David to represent God, to present to God a foundation or a right that could serve for God as proof that he can interfere in David's life with his mercy and his truth. From David's perspective, this kind of proof in this prayer contained ten different arguments that David brought to God, saying, Hear me because of your righteousness and truth, because I remember the days of the old. So all, all of these arguments, all these ten unique arguments were written on the tablets of David's heart. Because of your righteousness and truth, hear me because I remember the days of the old and all of your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me because I trust in you. Hear me, because I lift my soul up to you. Hear me, for I run to you. Hear me, because you are my God. Hear me for your name. Hear me for your mercy. And hear me, because I am your servant. In the previous sermon, we have already examined the nature of the first argument that gave God the legal right to stand on David's behalf to help him withstand his enemies. And we have stopped to study the second argument. It's unique and very meaningful argument. This is evidence brought by David in prayer that showed that he remembered the days of the old and all the works of God in these days, written on the tablets of our heart. An image of this evidence is presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which was a standard for a constant memorial before God, containing the standard of a constant prayer. And this breastplate of judgment was made for and served only one object. This was Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and it allowed man to hear God. And so to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, it was necessary to maintain a remembrance of the works of God in the subject of his Thummim, which God had made in the days of the old. Answering the question, what is the purpose 
What purpose is the breastplate of judgment called to fulfill between God and His redeemed child, the breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual memorial before God? We came to a conclusion that a breastplate of judgment as a subject of a continual prayer before God is a sacred image of the format of a continual prayer. And so, a prayer that does not meet the requirements and characteristics of a breastplate of judgment does not have a right to be called a prayer. Because only the format of a constant prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to enter the sanctuary as kings and priests unto God, who are called to represent the interests of the judgments of God according to those commandments and statutes that define the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, and the twelve pearly gates and twelve names of the sons of Jacob engraved on these gates. Apostle Paul has expressed the breastplate of judgment with 12 stones, with 12 names written on them in Colossians 4.2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continu continuity in prayer is defined by a burning lamp that defines the state of the righteousness heart of man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. It dwindles. The order of the makeup of the breastplate of judgment contains conditions that true worshippers of God, whom God searches for himself, are supposed to have. If we break the order of this sequence, then the breastplate of judgment that yields the state and nature of a worshiper cannot be called a breastplate of judgment. This is how Christ himself had, well, he said about this. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We have noted that worshiping the Father in spirit and truth is to not damage the truth in the pursuit of goals that are set by God in Scripture that many did before and many continue to do due to their ignorance or their hypocrisy or their jealousy. We have already noted that in the Septuagint, or our translation, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of judgment, because through Urim and Thummim that are contained in the breastplate of judgment, God had told his judgments to man, toward man. The image of the breastplate of judgment finds its expression in the conscience of man that is cleansed from dead works, on the tablets of which, as well as the seal, is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. A conscience that is cleansed from dead works with a seal on the tablets of truth and rightness will yield the nature of true worshipers who will give God the right to act in them and through them on planet Earth. And God searches for these kind of worshippers for himself. In a certain format, we have already looked at the measurements and material out of which the breastplate of judgment was to be made that we must resemble. And we have stopped to look at the next condition, which states, And you shall put settings of stones in it, four rows of stones. The first shall be a sardius, topaz, and emerald. The second, carbuncle, sapphire, and diamond. The third row, a jacinth, and a gate, and an amethyst in the fourth row, a chrysolite, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in golden settings. 
And the stone shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. Exodus 28, 17-21. We have noted that the twelve gold settings on the breastplate of judgment is an image of the judgment of God in the truth in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, written on the tablets of our heart. And the twelve golden settings yield the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, which, as the worshippers of God, are called to represent in our continual prayer. And the twelve precious stones with the engravings of markings of the twelve names of the sons of Israel is an image of our prayer that represent the perfect judgments of God. From this we conclude that the golden settings and the subject of the truth of the word of God are engraved to fit the stones. So not the golden settings, but rather the stones and the subject of our prayers are engraved to fit the measurements and configurations of the golden settings of truth. A continual prayer is first and foremost an unceasing prayer that finds its expression in trust in God, in which a person, representing the interests of God in his intercessory, does not step away from the goal until he receives what he has asked. The makeup of the breastplate of judgment expresses itself in the ability and means that define the core of a continual prayer that is necessary to obtain the goal that is set by God in the makeup of the kingdom of heaven that is represented in the tree of life. Growing the tree of life in our heart is building ourselves into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth into a spiritual dwelling, a holy place. We have noted that all of the grandeur and order of the temple was made for only one holy object and it served only one holy object, the golden ark of the covenant. The same way the ephod of the high priest with the breastplate of judgment was created and served only one object, which was called to exactly double and fulfill the functions of the golden ark. This was Urim and Thummim. People think that these were two precious stones. Others think that they were just leather or material that, that had the words light and perfection written on it. But the Holy Spirit has unveiled, He has unveiled the meaning of this. Because the golden Ark of the Covenant and the breastplate of judgment figuratively represent the conscience of a person that has been cleansed from dead works. Urim and Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and right, or revelation and truth. For example, the Decalogue placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant was truth, and this truth was presented on the breastplate of judgment as Thummim. And the revelation that a person could receive under the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was presented in the breastplate of judgment as light. And so a worshiper of God can only be a person who had a conscience that was cleansed from dead works, or who had a wise heart and the tablets of which were sealed truth in the subject of the meme. Because of this, the revelation of God in the subject of Urim could exist only in the boundaries of truth that are represented by Thummim in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. As it is written, And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6.
Basically, this is referring to a property of wisdom that is contained in Thumim and Urim, and the fact that the carriers of Thumim and Urim are worshippers of God and have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. That is why our relationship toward them is supposed to be like toward the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11 And of Levi he said, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Masa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children. For they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him, and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Based on this, we have noted that the future of people who say that they belong to God's chosen nation, but they are against the carriers of Thumim and Arim, and hate those carriers because they themselves lack Thumim and Arim. They are headed toward a lake of fire. In a certain format, we have already examined the first five properties of a worshiper of God in the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment through which God could continually express and fulfill His will on planet Earth. We have stopped to examine the sixth, sixth component of a worshiper expressed in the breastplate of judgment. This is Almaz. The sixth name on the second row from the bottom that was engraved on the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment on the tablets of her heart was the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, meaning wrestler. Genesis 37-8. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. We have noted that diamond is an adamant stone. The word adamant does not have a relation to any other stone beside diamond. It is also a gem that is cut no other way than like a diamond cut. Diamond is known for its hardness. The name of God in the precious diamond stone, according to Jewish rabbis in Hebrew, means El Hai, which translated to Russian means living God. Therefore, according to the meaning of the name Naphtali in the precious diamond stone, we know that the function of the sixth principle laid as a foundation of our constant prayer with which we need to serve as a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to be with us in prayer battle against the powers of darkness that go against us fulfilling the will of God, the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10 10, But the Lord is a true God. He is a living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. We have noted that the name of the living God was the format of an oath and that category of the holy nation that did not learn how to swear by the living God and swore to Him falsely. They were headed, are headed to total annihilation. It was impossible to swear by any other name of God except by the name of the living God. The Lord lives before which I stand. Jeremiah 12, 16-17 
They will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal, and they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy the nation. This is referring to people who do not swear by the name of the living God in their prayers, in their conversations, but they swear by something else their mom or their father or the Bible they say I place my hand on the Bible and I swear they are headed for toward total annihilation we can swear only by the name of the living God and so in order to not be eradicated and destroyed by the wrath of the living God it is necessary to be taught the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai or living God and these paths are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God the condition that gives the right to be taught the paths and statutes so that we can hear swear by the name of the living God is a desire of their knowledge an unreal desire that comes from a person that does not allow him to live peacefully until he knows until his desire is fulfilled I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart teach me O Lord the ways of your statutes and I shall keep it to the end give me understanding and I shall keep your law Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalms 119, 32-35. We have noted that in Hebrew, the term living means dwelling, great, unlimited in power, determining our being, creator of our being, containing our being, preserving our being, overlooking over our being, and the Lord of our being. Deuteronomy 10, 20-21 says, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve Him, and to Him you shall hold fast, and take oaths in His name. He is your praise, and He is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The result of taking an oath in the name of the living God always meant the fulfillment of the promise for which we made an oath unto God. The power of a warrior of prayer that is contained in the virtue of the name of the living God are called to represent the limitless authority of God over our being and in the time and limits that have been allotted to us. We will need to define what purpose is God pursuing when He calls His children to become warriors of prayer, as well as how and under what conditions can God give a person the right to become a warrior of prayer so that a person could represent the interests of God in the realization of his inheritance in God. And according to Scripture, being a warrior of prayer is a legitimate and privileged inheritance of saints of all time. Second, this is their original purpose expressed in their calling to trample the wickedness of the wicked in prayer battle. This is third, this is one of the greatest provisions that is given by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and priest unto God, and is seen by God as a diamond with the engraving of the name Naphtali. By not being a king and priest unto God, in the virtue of which a person could rule his emotional organ with his informational organ, it is impossible to be a warrior of prayer without this. Kings and priests rule over their informational organ, 
rule with their informational organ over their emotional organ. The prayer of a warrior of prayer is a kind of sacred and valued mystery that has an unearthly origin. Therefore, it is inaccessible if it tries to be mastered through earthly ways. On numerous occasions, we have noted that by nature, the origin of prayer is the origin of God. Therefore, Prayer that does not have a beginning or an end is always a mystery of God Himself, because it was always in His presence as His golden scepter of incense, which He held out to those who searched for His face and fulfilled His will. Whoever dared to come to Him on their own conditions, without being called into His presence, then His golden scepter of goodwill was not stretched upon that person. And so the prayer of this kind of person was unheard by God. As it is written, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. John 9.31 When the Pharisees had asked Him, Who has unveiled your eyes? They told Him, This person is not good. He said, How is He not good or how is He wicked? You yourselves said, that is that to be a holy person that God does not listen to sinners but whoever is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him so he had provided an argument to their question so according to these words God becomes the initiator of prayer when a warrior of prayer in the virtue of his worshiper begins to pray according to his will because the right to draw near God and stand before God in prayer is God's prerogative. No one himself will be able to draw near or come to God who abides in his, access, in his inaccessible light. Jeremiah 30, 21-22 Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governors shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Because you will have a noble whom I will draw out from your father Abraham. That's why according to this prophetic revelation, we know that, during, that drawing near and coming to God can be done by only one ruler who will rise from the seed of the nation of Abraham. This is the Son of God in the status of the Son of Man in whom all who are born of God, who search for God, could draw near to God in Him and through Him. That is why, out of all the forms of services, a continual prayer that brings a person into the presence of God is the most difficult kind of service to reach, which many Christians in many cases draw away from, neglect, and reject. 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. To define and build a system that will help us grasp the nature of a continual prayer and signs that will yield a warrior of pr or prayer that could be founded on concrete commandments of God, giving a person the legal right to swear by the name of the living God, then according to revelations from Scripture, our prayer and the quality of warriors of prayer yielded by the virtues of a diamond are supposed to be unceasing or continual, then perseverant, diligent, with boldness, reverential, 
with faith or trust in God, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, or by prayer in tongues. It is worth noting that each of the Ten Commandments of prayer are located in one another, come from one another, strengthen one another, fill one another, and define the truth of one another. So each of the twelve components, there is a balance, exists the balance of the other nine components. Therefore, the truth of each component is verified by the presence of the other components, which in their makeup create a wonderful balance. However, each of the ten components has a state, color, scent, and character that only belongs to that component and cannot be repeated, and it has its own face, its own use, and its own intended purpose. In a certain format, we have already looked at the first four components as a part of the nature of prayer and the state of a warrior of prayer that defines the atmosphere of his heart. Therefore, we have turned our attention to the fifth component in the nature of warrior prayer. This is reverence. In Scripture, the character and virtue that are contained in the word reverence are attributed to prayer as a commandment in the military order. Non-compliance of which, during acts of war, when we are called to battle the organized power of darkness, will result in a disruption in our relationship with God, which is equal to second death. Reverence as a virtue and atmosphere of the Spirit relates to the state of the heart of one who prays, which is called to be present in all that man does with perseverance from the soul. A continual prayer as a phenomenon of an unearthly origin, although it is made in time and grasps time, it is located outside of time and it rules over time. To better understand the meaning of the element reverence, we will build upon a foundation of four aspects so that we could define the evidence of reverence and see the necessity of having reverence in our prayer life with God. This is the definition and purpose of reverence, the price for gaining reverence, keeping and cultivating reverence, and the fruits and rewards for having reverence, or the results of reverence. According to statements in Scripture, the definition and purpose contained in the word reverence, as well as other components of prayer, are directly related to the quality and state of our faith or our obedience to the Word of God. In the Webster Dictionary, the word reverence is defined as a mixed feeling of holy trembling, fear, and astonishment. And when we are referring to the fear of the Lord, we are referring to God's wisdom in which a person is familiar with the order of God in his worship before God. Therefore, the word reverence is used in Scripture as an attribution to God and His works. In a certain format, as much as God and the measure of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied the first three questions, and we have stopped to study the fourth question. But before, I will remind you of the antonyms that a warrior of prayer is supposed to lack which is the subject of our current study. Because with the background of an antonym, it will be easier for us to see and understand the properties of the character of prayer. Now I'll mention the next signs that we will study today. Unceasing or continual, the antonym is unfaithful or not continual, 
assiduous or perseverant antonym is resistance, the antonym of diligent is lazy, the antonym of boldness is audacity, and the antonym of reverence is to neglect or hate. Antonym of the faith of God is disobedience. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? Psalms 50. Fourth question. What will be expressed in the reward for bringing and keeping fruit of obedience in the property of reverence in our prayers? We have noted that if we, if we will know the punishment for the lack of reverence in our relationship with God, that we would know the reward that is contained in the promises for obedience to God, expressed in reverence. We would not know the fear of the Lord that yields the property and atmosphere of reverence. So if we come to God out of fear but not out of love, we will not be able to be saved. Although Scripture says that we say by the fear of the Lord, but first fear the Lord, yes. But then a person is supposed to love God in the state of love. If he does everything out of fear to not go to hell, he will not be able to fulfill the promise of God. He will not be able to be saved. In order to be saved, it is necessary to fall in love with God, to fall in love, and to come to Him not out of fear of being destroyed, but out of love. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, protecting holiness and the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 7.1 While studying the first reward for having reverence before the name of the Lord, we came to a conclusion that the reward for expressing reverence will lead us into the mercy of God before the face of which we could serve Him with cup-bearing. Nehemiah 1.11 I'll read this place of scripture and we will continue further O Lord I pray please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. whoever does not know with this reward then you can listen to that sermon that was in the last last Friday and so second the reward for demonstrating the property of reverence will give us the right to an inheritance expressed in our devotion to God so thanks to reverence God will allow us to, to know him to devote ourselves to him and God this time will receive the opportunity to know us and affirm his promises stated by him toward our address. Psalms 119.38 Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. David said, who is devoted to fearing you because I am reverent before you, affirm your word or establish your word. What God has said, he is also supposed to establish it or affirm it. When God had anointed a king, he then had to affirm this anointing. If this anointing isn't affirmed, like for example, Saul, he had lost his anointing because his anointing was not affirmed. Saul did not do anything to keep it, but David had. When David had seen that the king had sent rocks to build him a home, it says, and David had known that he had 
he was established as king over Israel. So based on this devotion by David in prayer, we note that God affirms his word or his promise only to that category of people who revere before him in prayer. So if Saul would have revered he would have heeded to the words of Samuel but he said I thought that this would be better this other way would be better see people who do not revere before the Lord they they have their own opinion what what will it be better like for the Lord for the church true reverence on behalf of man is expressed and affirmed by our knowledge of God and on behalf of God it is expressed and affirmed in acknowledging man Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 2 Timothy 2.19 The promise that we received but did not affirm through the properties of reverence and prayer will be taken from us and given to someone who has this affirmation. As I had said, this is specifically what happened with the first Israel king, Saul. And so, instead of demonstrating reverence, expressing obedience, Saul hardened his heart and did what he thought was right. This is why God, through Samuel, had established a verdict that would take the kingdom out of the hands of Saul and give it to someone who has what Saul rejected due to the hardness of his heart. The same thing happened to Queen Vashti when the king called her into his presence. Instead of demonstrating obedience before him, she demonstrated a disobedience and thought that she was still serving the king. The same thing happened and continues to happen with each person and each individual nation. But God wants to heal the hardness of their hearts. Instead of demonstrating the reverence before him, they affirm their hardness, thinking that they are still serving God. Third, the third reward for demonstrating the property of reverence It will give us the opportunity to fulfill our salvation. And God will have the opportunity to create in us this desire and act according to His reverence. 2 Timothy 2, Philippians 2, 12-13 Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and troubling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Because God creates in you the desire and will to do his good pleasure. It is only then, when we are in reverence, that God creates in us the act and desire according to his reverence. In this manner, reverence and prayer before God reduces the limits of God in regards to us for the fulfillment of his will and his pure desires that he wishes to fulfill in us. The fourth reward for demonstrating the property of reverence will give us the right to be healed in the rays of the rising sun of righteousness and the right to trample the wicked like the ashes of the ground. Malachi 4, 2-6 But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for there shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts.
Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. So reverence here will bring the bride of the Lamb so that it triumphs over the wicked and she will receive healing in the rays of the rising sun of righteousness. Others in the rising sun of righteousness will receive punishment. This will be fire that will destroy them, but for the, uh, the specific category, it will heal them. And so the sixth sign of a warrior of prayer is the faith of a warrior of prayer that is founded on hearing the words of God that come from the mouth of God to the messengers of God who are clothed in the power, powers of the Holy Spirit to be the mouth of God. I remind you that, of, that the antonym of the faith of God is unfaithfulness disregarding a position to the faith of God. As it is written, 2 Chronicles 36, 15-21, And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets. Do you see what they did? Today, this is done today as well. They stand against the, those who are sent by God, the messengers of God. They despise their words and they scoff at them. Until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of Chal Chaldeans who killed their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of the Lord of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him as his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoined her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Do you see what occurred here with people when they scoffed and did not accept the faith of God and the messengers of God and the voice of the messengers of God? Because each of these people, they had said that they are the chosen person. And that's why they thought that they didn't have the necessity to hear from the messenger of God. They think that they have their own Bible, their own heart, they have their own Holy Spirit, and there's no, there's no necessity, they don't need anyone. They for themselves are an apostle, a pastor, an episcopal, an evangelist. They are everything for themselves, and these people don't understand when they say, I have my Bible, and when they say, God has told me in my heart, not through somebody, but to him specifically, they don't understand that in this manner they deny God's order and they reject it and God's word and his messenger. And the wrath of God is, is gathering and then it will be unleashed in such a way that this person will not be left standing. Another place of scripture that proves this thought, that God sends to us his faith in the voice of his messengers. This is what Luke has said in Luke 1, 67 through 75. This is Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. 
when it came time to give a name. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He did not believe that his, son, his wife Elizabeth would bear because she was already old in age and her menstrual cycles had stopped. And he laughed himself and said, how from an old woman and my wife, how could I have a son? And he said, because you did not believe you will, you will not be able to speak and he was deaf and God had said you will name him John and when it came time to give him a name when the mother had said another name at this time he, everyone knew he was deaf at this time and at this time he said John and everyone who came out of fear and Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life and therefore he says you are a son named john through you god will speak furthermore apostle paul affirms the same thought second corinthians 120 for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god through us so here through these people through these messengers we can inherit the promises of god Furthermore, Ephesians 6, 18-20, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak he did not say for the Lord to give you the word but to the Lord forgive me an utterance because he knew the order of God he said pray for me so the Lord gives me an utterance or the word because God has placed me to spread the word to you I will remind you of one other place of scripture blessed are those who read and who fulfill the words of the prophets of this word john was one who read when he read scripture god unveiled to him he saw the rest they they read but they did not see there was one who read this one who read he unveiled and he said blessed are those who read and fulfill the words of the prophecies of this book. That's why those who read and those who fulfill are supposed to fulfill the same thing. And we remember that in Scripture, the property or character contained in the word faith, like all of the other previous properties, are attributed to prayer as a commandment in a military order. Disobedience toward the faith to the command of God to the command of having the faith of God will be punishable by death that is expressed in the final separation of our relationship with God. 
We will see the definition of the essence of the word faith later on in the fact that just as the other signs, it is directly related to the quality of our obedience toward the will of God. The lack of faith in prayer is praised by Scripture as hardness, disobedience, and not heeding to the will of God that is yielded by specific rejection of God. To better understand the meaning of the element of faith, we will take four aspects to define the essence contained in the properties of faith to see the necessity of its presence in our prayer life with God. This is the definition and purpose of faith, the price for gaining faith, keeping and cultivating faith, and the fruit and reward in the fruit of faith. And so the first question, what is definition and purpose of faith in the prayer life of a warrior of prayer? Mark 11:23. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be moved and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Mark 11.23 Based on this command, we must all always remember that we can and are called to remove and cast into the sea those mountains that are along the path of our fulfillment of the will of God when they stand directly in front of the boundaries of our responsibility. We do not have the right to throw any mountain into a sea, but only the mountain that stands against in our, stands in our path. The key phrase of this verb is the of this verse is the verb have. This word is basically taken out of the format of military lexicon. That's why it sounds not like suggestion, advice, or an alternative to something, but like an order from the command, commander and fulfiller of the faith of God. Because of this, it is also a command to have faith in God, without the obedience of which will be impossible to please God. Therefore, this commandment is intended to be accepted by us as something that is necessary, as it is written, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who overcomes, who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 In this manner, the necessity of trusting God in His words and searching for God in His word as well as our spirit, on one hand, is the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God, and on the other hand, it pleases God. It is astounding that the phrase, to have faith in God, in Hebrew, means, have before you a list of the characteristics of God. Rewrite the list of perspectives of God's faith in your heart. Continually study the meaning of the faith of God. Meditate upon its components. Focus your attention on it. Declare its advantages. Show it in your deeds. Be awake and stand guard of its interests. Protect it as the pupil of an eye. Love its essence. Humble yourself before its commands. Tremble before its greatness. Revere in its presence. Be bold with it in prayer. Own it as your own property. Keep it in all of its fullness. Pay the price for, of discipleship for the knowledge of it. Take the time to take it into ownership. Use it in all aspects of your life. Cultivate its effect in all aspects of your life. Eat of it as the bread of life and drink it as the water of life. Demonstrate patience in waiting for its revelation. 
make a decision to walk its paths, prepare to fulfill its commands rigorously, strive forward to its honors and its titles, use your own energy to own it as if it were your own, fight for its life to be the ruler of your life, never turn backwards to its words. Considering this multifunctional, multivalued, and diverse list defining these shades related to obedience to have the faith of God, it is necessary for us to, again and again, first continually bring to our memory the knowledge that we already know how to stimulate our pure, pure thinking and keep it in a state of a continual activity. Second, to consolidate, deepen, widen, and enact these knowledges in our walk in the faith of God. And for this purpose, I would like to focus our attention to some definitions and purposes that are related to the purpose and definition of the faith of God, as well as the purpose and definition of our faith. So the first question, because in this given aspect, in today's practice of practical theology, in the contents of every book of faith, there is a misconception regarding the definitions and purposes of these two faiths and the definition of their interactions with one another. To begin, I will mention seven definitions of the faith of God and then seven definitions of our faith that are called to work with the faith of God through our obedience. First, the faith of God in the virtue of Arim and Thumim is yielded by the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. This is the essence of God himself, hidden from the eyes of strangers, which, by the will of God, are contained in three dimensions, in the depths of God, in the riches of Holy Scripture, and in the good heart of a man who is in the likeness of God. So, in the depths of God, in the Holy Scripture, in the pure heart of man. Second, faith of God, in the virtue of the Word of God, which comes from the mouth of God, is the absolute truth of God. Third, faith of God is the undying seed of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God. Fourth, the faith of God, in the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God, is a transcendent sovereignty of God that yields the character of holiness in the person of God. Fifth, faith of God, in the the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is a steadfast and unchanging purposefulness of God. Sixth, the faith of God in the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is the non-decreasing riches of God that have been placed on our accounts in the format of our inheritance contained in the works of God's redemption. Seventh, the faith of God in the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is an eternal, unsearchable, incalculable, omnipotent, and inexhaustible energy potential of God. And so we will turn to the first definition that unveils the mystery of the faith of God contained in Scripture. The faith of God in the virtue of Rim and Thumim is yielded by the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God. This is the evidence of God Himself hidden from the eyes of strangers by the will of God are contained in three dimensions, depths of God, riches of Holy Scripture, and the pure heart of man. Riches of the Holy Scripture are always related to the person of God. That is why we must look at Scripture in the personified image of God Himself, because in Scripture, between God and His Word, there is a sign of equality, which shows who is God by nature and definition, and what will the nature and definition of His Word be. According to definitions in Scripture, faith that is yielded by the Word of God is one of the names of God, which He swore to be faithful. 
Revelation 19, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. The second place of Scripture, Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. These words highlight the faithfulness of God to His Word. And therefore, the faith of God is genetic, legislative, and the commanding informational program that defines the essence of God, which is released and unveiled in His Word, which He affirmed in heaven forever. For eternity. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalms 119.89. And this word has been affirmed in heaven in the subject of faith. God had commandment to contain in three dimensions that interact with one another. In the depths of his abyss, in the mystery of the riches of Holy Scripture reflecting his laws, decrees, and commandments, and in the heart of a person who loves to revere before his name. Through his arim, he unveils for this kind of person how and in what order we should fulfill his laws, decrees, and commandments. And now pay attention. One day God's spoken word becomes an eternal and unchanging law and decree first for God himself, which he depends on and which he follows. That bind him. He becomes bound by his word, and he follows his word. Psalms 138.2 For you have magnified your word above all your name. According to these words, the faith of God and the virtue of the word of God first becomes an eternal and unchanging law for God himself, to whom are subordinate all the names of God. Therefore, according to these words, there exists a higher virtue of God himself that is yielded by the virtue servant. As soon as the word of God comes from the mouth of God, God is cast into a conscious and voluntary dependence on the word he has spoken, and he becomes a servant of his word a captive of his word. And this means that the fate of God expressed and spoken in the word of God is the crown of all the names of God. Under the phenomenon of this sacred name are built the following names, titles, and virtues of our Heavenly Father. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. In this manner, the faith of God is a genetic program of God expressed and departing from His mouth in His supernatural word. As soon as the word of God comes from the mouth of God, God is cast into a conscious and voluntary dependence on the word He has spoken and becomes a servant of His word. Habakkuk 2.1 Prophet, said, Prophet says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Rampart or tower, I think that you know fully well that the image of a tower in the heart of a person is the image of a man who has paid the price of leaving infancy expressed in death toward his nation, his household, and his corrupt desires. Only after this, a person can build a tower. This is an image of perfection in which a person becomes the carrier of Rima Thamim and can hear the voice of God. He can await, stand and await 
God has heard your prayer. Now wait. It doesn't matter how long. Wait for an answer. And it will come, even though it, it will, may waver or slow. People who have a rheumatism, they know how to wait for years, wait for an answer for years. Second, the faith of God and the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is the absolute truth of God. James 1.18 Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of God that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So the Word of Truth is the faith of God because it comes from hearing the Word of God. Before leaving this earth and going to His Father through death on the cross, the cross of Golgotha, the Son of God God prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane for God to save those disciples whom He had given Him through their sanctification and His truth that could have separated them from being defiled by their flesh and spirit. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. So do you see here, only after truth that is known can be the subject of sanctification. And we know what truth can separate a person from what is unholy. The truth regarding the cross of Christ. Because the truth of the cross of Christ, it cleanses sin, but it does not separate a person from sin. It destroys sin, but it does not destroy the factory of sin, the old man. It does not separate us from our old man but the truth of the cross of Christ it separates us from our old man this is what was prayed for separate them therefore the faith of God in the virtue of the word of God that comes from the mouth of God the faith of God is righteousness in the first degree, is the judgments and faithfulness of God, it is the total strength that is called to separate a person from what is unholy, it is truth and righteousness of God, sincerity of God, resurrection of eternal life, the supernatural energy of God, the potential of a wonderful balance, the balanced beauty and earthly grandeur, the most perfect shield and events that is given to a believer, and it is an atmosphere of total security. We're talking about truth, about which this is talking about. Psalms 91.4 says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Psalms 91.4 So in this manner, truth, when we accept this faith of God, this is the faith of God, when we accept it and when we understand it, when it becomes our shield and our refuge, Third, the faith of God and the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is the undying seed of the Word of God that is called to fertilize and instill the kingdom of heaven in the heart of man. The seed is the Word of God, Luke 8, 11. And this seed is the Word of faith. It is the word of faith. If a person does not understand it, he cannot be fertilized by it, because there exists a time, place, and an, an order in which a person can fertilize himself. Not always a person can fertilize himself with the seed of the kingdom of heaven, but only then when he leaves infancy. Until he leaves infancy, he is the image of that small girl about which is said in songs of solomon we have a young sister but she has no breasts what will happen when she and the other when she had lost him she said i am a tower and my breasts are like 
towers. That's why in his eyes I will be as one who found fullness. It doesn't say if she was, if she it says if she was a door we would lay her with cedar wood through which the Holy Spirit comes and becomes the Lord and ruler of our life. That is why not each person can accept the seed of the Word of God as the kingdom of heaven. There is a difference between the seed of the Word of God that we accept when we are born again and the difference when we accept it when we have grown, we have left infancy and fertilize ourselves with the kingdom of heaven and we use our energy. 1 Peter 1, 22-23 says, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Fourth, the faith of God in the virtue of the word of God that comes from the mouth of God is a transcendent sovereignty of God that yields a character and holiness in the person of God. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then the God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 2-3 Here we see the sovereignty of God, the character of His holiness. The Holy Spirit trembles, reveres, and hovers over the thoughts of God, waiting. And the Father, seeing this desire, God says, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit immediately obeys, and He shows this light of life on planet Earth. And at this time, the planet resurrects, becomes living. Because in original, life and light were terms that were used interchangeably. And let there be light means let there be life. So the minerals, the earth became a living. All the other planets, there also have minerals, but they are dead minerals. And scientists say, if, what if there is water? If there was water there, it would be dead water. The Holy Spirit hovers, hovered over the water. Only when God said, let there be light, and the light was, the Holy Spirit had resurrected this water. This water had all of the minerals. Then God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, created earth. And all was made out of water and in water. But water were minerals. They were dead before that. They were not living. And in order for them to become living, for them to become resurrected, for the life of God to enter, same way God had made Abraham. Only when God placed a spirit of life did Abraham become, did Adam become living. It had the breath of life had to be breathed in him. That's why to this day minerals grow. There are 50 precious stones and they grow. Being in the ground, they grow. They are born in magma deep underground and in a big temperature. Then they are pushed up. And here they continue to grow, but they are born under these conditions. 
Furthermore, Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing. We see here the sovereign character of God in His Word. He, is a, he makes a person just as sovereign. He says, I will not interfere in the works of God. He does not ask me under, under my conditions. So God says, let him let him reign on earth how I reign in heaven. So how I rule on in heaven, he should rule in earth. And, that, and, the, and with this word, God had bound himself or limited himself in earth. And if you remember when we said, after he had created man, he had he had planted the garden. Not before, but after the creation of man, he had planted a garden. And then when he see when he had created this garden, we know that God could not create and grow this garden by himself. He needed a person. Now all that God does, he will do this in cooperation with a person who has a pure heart. And he with Adam had grown all these trees of the garden. And then he gave them a command for him to protect this garden and cultivate it and protected it and not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Another place of sovereignty. Revelation 3.20 Behold the stand of the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He knocks through the seed of his word. A person is supposed to open his heart for the seed of God's word. And as we have noted, God knocks to a door with a keyhole. And a keyhole can be only in a person who has left infancy, who represents himself as a living sacrifice for reasonable service. And this sacrifice is the keyhole. Through it, God sees that a person reveres. Then he knocks there. With his voice, he shows who he is and what he has brought. And then a person is supposed to open his heart to the seed of the Word of God and fertilize himself with the seed. Fifth, the faith of God in the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is a steadfast and unchanging purposefulness of God. Genesis 28:15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Pay close attention how God is focused. He says, until I fulfill what I want to fulfill and what I will do, I will not become, I will not leave you. I will not leave you wherever you go. This is talking about God's relationship toward us. Psalms 110.1 The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. This is talking about a conversation between the Son of God and the Father of Heaven. He says to his Son, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And we know that a footstool of his represents the body of Christ. Foots, stool, because Christ is the body of 
church. When he says, sit at my right hand, he said it to us as well because he has sat us in Christ who sits next to him. And this also shows the purposefulness of God. Rule over your enemies. Isaiah 62.1 For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness. And there are many different places of Scripture like this that talk about the purposefulness of God, the faith of God, or the Word of God. God sends His Word purposefully. He says, If I have set my Word and it comes to the earth as rain and snow, it does not return to me just like that, not fulfilling that which I have sent it for. That's why we'll know that the faith of God and the virtue of the Word of God is the steadfast and unchanging purposefulness of God. Furthermore, the faith of God in the virtue of the Word of God that comes from the mouth of God is the non-decreasing riches of God in the form of our inheritance that is contained in the works of God's redemption. James 2.5 Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? To be rich in faith is to be rich with the promises of the Word of God, with truths. The more truths that we know, the more rich we will be because the truths of God, the promises of God are the faith of God. And God places it onto our accounts. And these truths, these promises do not cease. However much you will take from it, they do not decrease. That's why when you receive something from God, be calm. It will not depart from you as it departs from people of this world. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away. So we can unveil this by the power of God through faith those whom God keeps keeps by the power of God 7 the faith of God in the virtue of the word of God that comes from the mouth of God is an eternal, unsearchable, incalculable omnipotent, inexhaustible energy potential of God Isaiah 40, 26 by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power not one is missing so, so that we know what is the word of God and what is the faith of God with which we must work. 1 Kings 17.14 For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So what God, ha what God has given us today, the rain is not yet here. Today, we have oil, and we have a little bit of flour in our bin. What I say today is not a lot of oil and flour in the bin. This is not yet rain. When the rain will come, when God will give us this rain, there will something miraculous happen. Those who could not be kept in the faith of God, they will use it completely during this time of rain. Because before resurrection, before God resurrects, He will give rain so that the Holy Church can come to perfection. It would grow. So the fruit is there. Now it's necessary for this fruit to, to grow, to mature. That's why if someone thinks 
that we have do, we do have, so the, the flower and the bin, when we begin to study it, it is immeasurable, unsearchable. However much you might take from it, we take, we take, and we take, and there's more and more and more of it. Where is it taken from? This is the potential of God that does not cease or fade. That's why today we have been introduced what must we call faith of God. In the next service, if God will allow us and resurrection does not happen, we will refer to our faith and how it must cooperate with the faith of God. These are two completely different phenomena. Now we will bow our knees for whom it is possible and we will pray to God and thank Him for that word that we were able to have today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bow down my head with your nation before your almighty word that you have called faith. You have become a captive of your word. You have become a servant of your word. And you have made the rank of a disciple the most highest. People on this earth do not yet understand what servantry is. They think that servantry is mixed with sin. And that's why they constantly try to free themselves from slavery so that they can stop being dependent on someone. Not understanding that to be an Anarchist does not mean to be free. That in Christ Jesus, freedom is in slavery to righteousness. I thank you that you have unveiled for us, that you have made us neutral, where we could choose one of the kinds of slaves, slavery, either to be a slave of your righteousness or to become servants or slaves of sin. That's why there exists only two kinds of slaves and a person chooses between these two kinds and what, the fact that he says that he is free and that he can do all that he wants he is simply lying to himself because devil completely understands that even he cannot do that what he wants to do but only what God allows him through man we thank you for this high virtue be, to be your servant. Blessed are you because you yourself have been made a servant of your word. You have been made a captive. You have completely understood that when you say your word, you will become its captive and its servant. And you went toward this. You had expressed this word and it became a law for yourself first and foremost. You obeyed yourself to your word. And of course, you have many powers to put the knees of earth before your word. May your word be blessed, the word of faith that is called the faith of God, so that we could have it, so that we could have this list in our hearts. May your nation be blessed forever.
May they write these lists, these commandments, statutes in their hearts, so that they know the promises to whom they are called to, so that He knows what awaits Him. And for Him to thank you and to keep and to tremble between the words of faith that He has placed in His heart. I thank you, Lord God of heaven and earth. May your, we love to revere before your name. And so may the sun of righteousness and healing in its rays, may it come upon your inheritance. May this glory come upon your nation. May you allow your word to come upon you and upon us. This is one of the promises of the faith of God that you have desired for us to write on our heart and to carry it as something holy and to see ourselves as triumphant. May your mercy be blessed in your healing for your people forever and evermore. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.